wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the two, two of us. us. You and you I. And I. And the, the tricky part is is who starts it now when it's just you and I. Just to stare off into yeah. Zoom. Just who's, to see who's who's gonna who's, who's gonna, gonna talk first. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of both have so we might as well just keep going. Just keep going, yeah. Well, we were supposed to have a guest today, but we were but they pulled out the last pulled out. They said, yeah. Look, mate, just can't be doing with listening to that Andrew's voice. So I guess, I guess we lost a guest. Now, nah, in all seriousness, we, we lost a guest through illness, but they yep. are scheduled to be back on next week, if not before then. Yep. And, and it'll be an inter- interesting, interesting topic. International guests and international guests and interesting topics. So it should be good. So I guess it's just the two of us. Yep. That's the can, song. We can use that sound file again. It's been a while we since we used it. We need, we need to update that sound Oh, file. yeah. Because it talks about. Talks about cattle prices not sliding, and there's still some volatility in wheat markets. But um, I'm not sure if the smart money's buying sheep anymore at the moment. Or <laughs> well, maybe now's, Ma- the, maybe maybe now's the, the time. time. Maybe now's money's. the time. But I would like to point out our our intro music is not a uh, it's not a financial recommendation. It's no. just the only no, it's lyrics just... that we could put together at the time. <laughs> Correct, and it was it was of the time as well. Yeah, the, the lyrics classic. Were, yeah, you know, like. Again, like like what we were saying last week, there's things that are fine at the time, mm-hmm. then subsequently they're not fine. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Rolf Harris. Fine at the time, no longer. Michael <clears> Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Russell Brand. So, <laughs> Russell Brand's under the pump now, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. like, it's, anyway, we're here to do a serious podcast. Yep, to talk about are. what's happening, and that's a good point. Then we did the intro music is 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 wrong, uh, but sheep markets. Well, no, it's all it's all a cycle, isn't it? It's all a cycle. So you can, the smart money can still be buying sheep, and now's the best opportunity given how the pricing has come to you know significantly lower levels. Because that's seen... that's been a big talking point this week. Yeah. Has been sheep pricing, not so yep. much cattle pricing, slagging as well. Yeah, they've come off too, but probably not to the degree. That, although in the last in the last week or so, that young cattle pricing now has dipped down towards four hundred cents. I think it dipped under four hundred cents a kilo briefly. Let's keep on sheep just now, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yep. I guess it's interesting. What's happened to sheep pricing? Like, why why is it where it is? That's a big question everyone's asking. If why, you're looking, why, why is sheep prices fall? Is it all live export? No, well, I don't. I, I, certainly in, in West Australia, that would be making a huge impact. Um, we've, we're just coming back to the moratorium being back online or, you know, or the trade being back online again in the moratorium. Middle of September is usually when the last of that um, prohibition fa- finishes. But, yeah, certainly through this last few months uh, in WA, there's been very limited uh, options for, for turnoff. And I think I did hear... Uh, early this week, that that if you look at just WA sheep turnoff specifically compared this time this time last year to to, to now, it's up ninety percent. Whereas the national turnoff into slaughter for sheep 
is up about 67% or 70%. So, what does that mean? So, people have been well, holding so, on to so, shit more often? Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, you can think about too that the, the flock has been growing. The last three years have had good seasons. We've gone from a 60 million head flock to an, nearly an 80 million head flock. Um, so yeah, a quarter no. of an quarter of an increase, I guess, or or yeah, quarter of an increase. Which one? Well, is that, is that mathematical terms? A quarter no, of an yeah. increase, half In terms of a reduction. Flock. Yeah, it's increased <laughs> yeah, by a quarter. Twenty. Well, no, not twenty five. It'd be it'd be it'd be thirty. If it's twenty on sixty, then it's thirty. But you can't 3%. get a quarter of an increase. It can increase by a quarter, but it can't be quarter of yeah. an increase because an increase is a non-specific number. Mm. You, I was kind of, I was thinking of whether I should use sixty or eighty as the base. So it's actually more than that. It's thirty three percent increase if you no. use sixty as the base. So, but so not the not, got, not half an increase. No, the flocks or a quarter of an increase. Thirty three percent. Thirty three percent still you know a third, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's increased by a third, not a third of an increase. Slight, slight, third. Slightly less than a third, technically. Yeah. Okay. Unless it's thirty three point three. Correct. Um, so anyway, getting back to it, we've had a big increase. Let's just call it a big increase. A big increase. <laughs> and is it the now... biggest? Is it, when, like, here's a question for you. You don't need to answer just now. Mm. Is that the biggest increase we've had? When was the last time we had such a big increase? Because remember, we've had a pretty much reductions yeah, yeah, yeah. almost every year since 1990. Yeah, probably there was a bit of an increase in 2016 or just after, but 2010-11 was probably the last successive few. We had two or maybe three years of an increase back then. But, not and they to, was, not, but was it the same percentage increase, same level increase? Probably probably not because we weren't coming off such a low base. Like so We'd got down to 60 million head, which was the lowest it's been for many decades, um, and coming off those really high levels, you know, pre the pre the wool reserve thing in 1990, it was over 160, 170 million head of sheep. So, you know, we've had a significant drawdown in the flock to, to the 60 million head level, and now we've kind of, had this you know significant increase so percentage wise that's probably the biggest we've seen in quite some time and and now that we're heading on well el nino has just been announced now so but i think you know farmers have been preparing particularly in new south wales there were some that were getting quite nervous it's already, about been, it's already been dry up north new south wales yeah in northern Queensland. yeah correct so they've already started to i think prepare and and we had a you know the the, the growth of that flock was enabled by farmers holding on to you know, maybe a few older ewes here and there that they might have previously cast earlier, but then they've just said, look, lambs are so, you know, think back to a couple of years back when, when there was such a high price for lambs, you'd say, well, I'm not going to get rid of those ewes, even though they're four-year-old ewes or whatever. I might just get another year out of them, try and get another lamb or two. And so a lot of those so older ewes... So were- do you think a, a big bit of it is like hoping the good times will continue? Well, and not, well, sell- and not, not reducing earlier? Yeah, like, but, like in Harry hindsight, yeah, you yeah, no, no, you'd be better off selling some of your old ewes last year. Well, but then you would have missed out on getting the lambs and maybe getting away at a good price. So it's, but it's you know then the, then the prices declined. Yeah, yeah, but, but it depends again, on when. It's, but it's Harry hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, but but it also depends on when you were lambing and when you got to, you know just get rid of them as light lambs or if you hung on to them as heavy lambs. So I think that the net result, and it's particularly if you're looking at the mutton price, it's the actual. It's the the turnoff of those lambs that had oh sorry that those sheep that had been held on those breeding ewes that had been held on for that extra year or so so they're they're an older ewe as well they've all been I think turned off this season and that's why we're seeing in WA's case ninety percent increase to that turnoff and in the rest of the country's case or the national case nearly a seventy percent increase of that so and if you look at slaughter of, of mutton 
this year it's been significantly higher. It's one of the you know higher years we've had for many years of slaughter. So it's one of those cases I think of everyone turning off at the same at the same time to a degree and 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 the processing side being at some stages a bit overwhelmed uh, you know and people aren't people aren't looking to um obviously you know continue to rebuild and, and and restock the flock or anything like that so you know that kind of restocker activities gone out of the market um and so you know you've really got the processes that are the, the final buyers of those older animals so you know and they're only going to take so much if they've got you know only limited capacity still um you know they're only going to take so many. I think I think the 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 approximate kind of capacity and processes across the country they're running at about eighty five percent now because there there still are pockets of um you know some, some are able to do double shifts but in WA they're certainly not. I don't think doing double shifts so that means it's harder for them to process as it has always been. Um, harder to get staff again. East some of the eastern states abattoirs I think are running a bit higher capacity but they're not. I wouldn't say there's many that are running absolutely hundred percent. Um, and maybe, you know, double shift type 100% too. So, you know, we've still got a fair way to go, I think, to get to get that processing capacity across the country up to scratch, and particularly if we start to head into a drier spell. But um, but a bit in perspective, it's just, you'd think this is kind of just more of like a clump part of the cycle. It is, it is. Yeah, it is. So and it's and like in the US, at, the US have got that seven-year sort of cycle, I think, on cattle. Uh, ten year, yeah, ten, ten year. Well, yeah. Yep, but like yep, there's, yep. there's a cycle where it cycles down, and it's, was it lower lows and higher highs? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we have seen, like, if you look at, say, now we, we did we did some analysis on this this week, right? That or was sure. it late last week? It might have been late last week, um, where we, lo- we looked at the last, you know, since the nineteen nineties, we've had in the in the lamb market. This is oh trade yeah, lamb. I did I did I did analysis on that about yeah. a year ago on mm. wheat, and then mm. you created an article that looked very similar. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we both look at markets and markets have cycles. So, you know, well, of course, we're going to sometimes look at things in a similar fashion. And, yeah. I, and I noticed that somebody else put an article that's very similar to both those articles. Well, yeah, imitation. And I did actually notice that they read the article as well uh, for the MailChimp thing. But anyway, it's good. Imitation imitation's the best form of flattery, Andrew. We should be, we should be proud that we're having an influence. Um. So getting back to the cycles yeah. on the on the trade lamb, if you look at the last, so going back to the 1990s, we've had, apart from this current downturn in lamb pricing, we've had three others, right? We had a downturn 97 through to um, 2000. We had a downturn 2004 through to 2007. And we had a smaller downturn 2011 to 2012. And so each of those ones have gone, in terms of percentage drops in lamb pricing, um, you had 51% was the 2011 12 one and the other two went down by 53% in terms of a from the peak to the trough for those downturns. Now, the current downturn now, off current pricing, I think we're down about uh, uh, 60% or thereabouts. Um, so we're a little bit more than what those other ones were, and it's come over a shorter period of time because because two of the two of the original downturns were like a 40 month, 42 month type window. This one's been over 24 months, so it's been a bit sharper in terms of how how it's corrected much more quickly, um, and maybe that's making people, you know, re- you know, get a bit more anxious about it. You it know, becomes almost it becomes almost self fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. think you think something's going to happen, so you end up making it happen. Well, look, I think I think um, I don't want to sound like Paul Keating with the old recession we had to have phrase, but I think the oh. price the pricing we the pricing we had 
in the last few years, those very high pricing levels, whether you're looking at sheep meat price or, or sheep pricing, lamb pricing or cattle pricing, they were long term, they were fairly unsustainable prices, right? You couldn't, we weren't going to be that competitive in our excellent markets. Well, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking at a chart because I did an analysis a couple of weeks ago mm. on mm. Sheep, sheep meat, mm. looking at the price of Australian values versus some overseas, EU and Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it showed that, yeah, we had, like we had fairly hefty prices during the last drought yep. in, in comparison, but that was also at the same time we had African swine fever. Yeah, so China was buying a heap of protein from anywhere. But we have gone yep. down to the lowest yep. spread since at least 2012. Yep, yep. yep. So, it must so, mean, so, so it must mean that we're ultra competitive though. Like we, oh, we, absolutely. Like we must be ultra, like I know that every time you put up a chart on export values and they were doing a lot of exports, into China, every people say, oh, but it's not reflected in the price locally. I was mm. like, yeah, it is reflecting the price locally because the price is in the doldrums. And so that, if the price yeah, is in the doldrums, yeah. you export more. But like, that's a question. Like, I, I got asked, I was talking to a group of farmers today on the webinar thing, and they were talking about um, how come it's not like you're not feeling it at the retail level. Because we're <laughs> not like, it's not like I have noticed actually meat is getting cheaper again. Yeah, red meat and red meat stuff. But it's, to come it's off. still not it's still. But it's not going to red meat at the retail level is not going to come off by fifty percent. That's just no. that's just fairyland thinking. You know, it, it, there is going to be, and there started to be some discounting. We've seen in in the uh, June quarter of the CPI, the red meat, like beef and lamb, have both come off only about a percent or so each at, at an average pricing level on retail. But you might see a little bit more. You know, just very gentle price declines at the retail level, but. You know, it's the same as it's the same as when the wheat market moves around up and down. You don't see the price of bread or the price of wheat bix, you know, go up, or the price of pasta, you know, that goes up if 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 you know wheat pricing goes moves around, does it? It's it, you know, when you're talking about a supply chain that, that has a bit of processes in the middle of it, um, you know, it's always going to be a bit sticky when prices come off. It's not going to come down as much as what the, the it does at the sale yard or at the or at the global marketplace for a commodity. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So what's the what's the what's the goal? Like when's it going to increase? Well, I think so. You've got. Do they need to get like? Does there need to be a hell of a lot more slaughter going through and reducing the flock again for no, it to well, increase again? Well, we are. If you look at the sheep turnoff ratio, we're not quite yet formally at a liquidation phase, but we are heading. The trend is heading towards that, so I wouldn't be surprised if we move into liquidation phase formally um, this year. But in saying that too, though, I think a lot of what we're seeing here is a correction in price that we've seen before, these types of corrections before. Sometimes they've happened because of the drought, whereas this one almost is happening in the prelude to the drought. So that to me then suggests that if farmers have got a bit more, you know, they're pre-planned, they've got their stocking levels down to the correct levels as the drought comes, there might not be the same level of drought turnoff we see if they've got if they're able to manage through those. You know, it depends on I guess how extreme a drought well, is or it depends where what... it's located. You know, how long it goes for. But we might, you know, the correction in my mind mostly has come. You know, we we we've still got to get from a trade land perspective. We've correction, still got to get the correction in price, but not necessarily the slaughter. Yeah, there could still so be. You, there, so you yeah. could still have huge slaughter for the next year, which but prices, but but prices yeah. could maintain at the same level. Yeah, correct. The which, is not, which is still not going to be, most farmers are still not going to be thinking that's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's, better, probably, it's better than it falling further. 
No, that's true. No, but, that's what I'm saying. I don't think we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see the same magnitude of fall. But it can't really fall further, can it? Well, you know, can't go to. I guess can't go to negative pricing. If, well, it uh, for can. Some, for, yeah, because if you if you think if you if you're selling lamb, yeah, or sheep mm. or whatever, yeah, you've obviously got a cost of your agent, your truckie. Mm. You've also got your MLA levy fees, which are mm. a set figure. So yeah, it could go to minus quite easily. Mm. Not 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 minus for the sale figure, but minus for your overall cost of selling. Yeah, well, isn't that isn't that where they end up getting shot in the paddock then? Well, if the cost, yeah. yeah, if the cost of the bullets less than the cost. I think of- it's, it's it is a like morally, it's pretty like I know a lot of people don't realize I'm a pretty moral person, mm. and I and I, I sort of I like to keep stick by my morals, and but I do think it's morally ambiguous to have people in the world starving. Yeah. At the same time, disposing of high quality proteins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. at the same time, a farmer shouldn't be doing it for nothing. No, that's right. And that's, that's right. why there's there's a, there's a sort of balancing act between what the farmer gets and what the consumer pays. And some, mm. some I, like, I, just, I think it's an interesting sort of conundrum. Mm. But it's not. If you look, I mean, there and there are stories of you know sheep getting sold at a dollar or two dollars, and they're 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 not necessarily all the sheep. And certainly, sheep's going sheep that are going through over the hooks, you know, direct to you know, you're talking about sheep through a sale yard, which yeah. may, you know it can depend upon you know not to not to be too critical of what sometimes gets presented at the sale yard, but it's not all the sheep that go through getting sold at those cheap levels. And even when we had better pricing more broadly, there's still the odd sheep that just don't attract a buyer because, you know, they might be in poor condition or for whatever reason, you know, um, they don't get that. Well, especially, but that's more so the case in a year like this where supplies Mm. up. It's a bit like if if I'm going shopping for a car, there's 10,000 cars there available Mm. uh, and they're all the same price. So I'm not going to go for Mm. the bloody one of a scratch on the the, the bonnet. Yeah. And and, and we know that the restocking. You you could be afford to be a bit more picky, which is what we saw. That's it. That's it. As a good segue, we saw that in grains in the drought. Mm. No to give a monkey's if you had H1, H2, or feed. Grain Mm. was grain. It was going down animals' throat. Yep. So you're right, though. Let's go on. Let's talk about grains because I did that analysis as well, looking at the peaks to troughs. Mm of wheat futures. And that's where like you see these massive, like five big spikes from 1990. Yep. And if you actually look at it, yeah, you basically have, if you look at a year before the peak, so you've got the peak a year before and a year after, mm. it pretty much returns back to where it was after mm. a year. The same as six months, it basically returns back to six months. So it's fa- it's a fairly orderly rise and fall. It just goes mm. absolutely through the roof over a one-year to six-month period, and then six months to one year after, bish, bash, bosh, it's back down to where it was. So I think that's that's one thing to be aware of. When these markets, they will correct themselves. Yeah, we're, and, they're, and, we're, and, and we're probably seeing an overcorrection now. Yeah, and they have a cycle. I think, certainly, I think for, for the mutton side, we have gone too far. You know, trade land, trade land, we still need to get through the spring flush, but I think, again, a lot of the price fall has gone out of the market anyway. So it won't be a huge collapse, I think. And the wheat market, like you're saying, that that goes in cycles all the time, like most of the other markets. So it's part of acknowledging that cycle. There's that chart you've put up before, I think the VFF 
or was the dairy conference we did for VFF and UDV or whatever they are? Uh, um, the, the one about the, the brand, the psychology of markets. Yeah, so that's it, that one. So, you know, I think you've done a piece on it on episode three too, the psychology of markets where Somewhere. you've got that, you know, and you get through that stage of, you know, high pricing and you know, anxiousness, a bit of anxiety about the high pricing. And then, you know, it starts to come so off I guess, and it goes I guess, fear, fear I guess, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I guess yeah. you, you maybe need like a bit of EQ for markets, not just IQ. Mm. Anyway, I'm, I'm buggered with that. Um, <clears throat> so looking back to it, yeah, they got, we're going back to Grange, yeah? Yep. I think it's quite interesting because like what you're saying before about this preparation for a drought. Mm. I think there's an element of that in the sort of the feedlotting and pig and other consumer industries. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we are, look, there's no denying that we are seeing pretty terrible conditions, Northern New South Wales, Southern Queensland, mm-hmm. and we are going to see downgrades. A Bears put their numbers out. When was that? I don't know. Two weeks ago? Start yeah, September? Something like that, yep. They're going to get revised downwards. There's a, I can guarantee that. That's not in question. But if you look at New South Wales and Queensland grain production for wheat and barley only, you're talking just shy of 10 million tonnes. Mm. If you look back to 2018, 2019, for those years, you're talking 2018, 3.9 to 4 million tons. 2019, just shy of 5 million tons. And then they got downgraded from that September to the final production by, you know, not huge volumes. 2019, it was a bigger drop, maybe a million tons. But we're not going to see that 10 million tons drop to four or three oh, million tons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it drop to a seven or an eight or even a six if we get really dry and frost and whatever else. But it's not the same level. It's not the mm. same, like It's I, still it's still higher than those previous times that it got downgraded. Yeah, and those were those were yeah. big sort of years. But mm. if we look at it in a comparison, like our wheat price in, in Brisbane to Chicago, we're not that far off like the peak in terms, of, in terms of basis, yeah, and that's the same for livestock. We're actually, if you look at the beef pricing, we're at we're actually already at what I'd call drought pricing discounts to the US, hmm. and we're not we're not even close to being in drought. We're not even close to slaughtering nine million head or more of cattle this year. I think the forecast is something like seven million head. So, so do you, think, you know, so, so I've been I've been pondering it. Like, why is it why is it risen so much? I think it's memories as well. Yeah, those yeah, those yeah. feed consumers can remember 2018, 2019. They've seen it. El Nino's on the cards. We've, we've known El Nino's coming for the best part of five, six months now. Mm. And maybe they're just stocking up. Yeah, absolutely getting pre-prepared. I think that that's part of this, you know, certainly through the livestock space, this, this lack of confidence people are talking about. And the fact that we're, whether it's the beef side or whether it's the sheep side, we are definitely not far away from, from liquidation phase in, in terms of a, you know, technical sense of, of measuring whether we're in that phase. So yeah, and but yet, yet if you look outside, most of the country I think is still you know it's there's still a lot of subsoil moisture in a lot of the country. That, like, it was raining here, uh, raining well, here today. It's pretty green still. So it's a, it's a big continent. There's going to be in mm. continent in this continent. Mm. There's going to be in continent. It's going to be places that are doing well and places that are doing poorly. Yep. So like I think it's. I think it's going to be really interesting in the next couple of months to see what happens with that that premium, whether that domestic premium can persist. Can it, 
Yeah, can it? And, well, does it? How long? Does it go? Does it? Does it continue to go even higher than historical? Does, does it go higher up to those sort of 2018 levels? But like logically, it probably shouldn't. But logic mm. doesn't always matter of markets. But it could also come under pressure. Mm. You know, if if the harvest is you know doesn't drop as much as we expect, mm. if that nine million goes to eight million rather mm. than seven or six, yeah. So I think that's yeah. The other side of things is, imagine what we'd be like with last year. Yeah, we had a negative basis to the rest of the world. Yeah, but we also had the overall picture was that we had globally high prices. Mm. We had that peak caused by Ukraine, but now when you look at the actual market, like seabot wheat is down to like three hundred and thirty dollars a ton. Imagine we had that three hundred and thirty dollars a ton with negative basis. Mm. At the moment, we're 330 plus, depending on where you are, $80 a ton, whatever it may be. But we would have had a much harder time last year if, if Putin hadn't invaded Ukraine. Yeah, 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 that's could right. It could have been far worse for Australian farmers. Mm. And that's what we're seeing at the moment, though, is globally, prices are dropping. You know, Ukraine is looking like it's able to export grain regardless of any deal with Russia. Um. Stockpiles are still pretty high. Russian prices are dropping. So the market's looking at supply and thinking that we're fairly fairly well sorted. But if you look at the overall numbers, you look at the top exporters of wheat around the world, we're sort of, if you look at stocks use ratio, we're sort of getting to tying of being the lowest of all time. Mm. So I think that it's still fundamentally a quite a tight marketplace and it wouldn't take that much to make you know, put a bit of fire under the market again. But it doesn't seem to be doing it at the moment. It seems to be yeah. just trending downwards. And speaking of another market that is trending well, trending downwards, there's another market trending upwards. Diesel? A diesel, yeah, it's true. That's a good one. But that wasn't what I was thinking of. Urea imports into Australia. Oh, yeah. Well, I was thinking of price trends, not volume trends. Volume trends. Yeah. Again, we had another, cumulatively, we've had another big month provisionally. I'm still waiting for the data, but provisionally for July, another big month of imports. And uh, <clears throat> look, that's, even if you take out Gibson Island's production, you're still talking about available supplies at record levels. So there's a, it's, I, I don't must, know the answer. I must, be, so, must, be, must be someone hiding a lot of you. I, don't, I, don't, I just think it's in the wrong places at the wrong time. Mm. I think that that will be a cause for concern if there's volume still coming in at the moment into a dry New South Wales and Queensland. Mm. There's going to be some stock sitting there unsold. And that would be a concern if I was a fertilizer importer. Uh, but we'll maybe talk about that next week mm. when uh, we've got our guests on. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've, you've, you've let the cat out of the bag. They won't know what we're talking about now. No, oh, damn it. Um, but yeah, and that's the other thing is like diesel prices. You mentioned that the diesel prices mm. are, you know, I'm dri- driving tomorrow for a good 10 hours and diesel prices have gone through the roof again. And like, if you look at it in comparison to crude oil, it's also like the spread is record levels almost. Mm. So you need paying. to if you're doing these big drives, you need to switch yourself into a Tesla or something, Andrew. I've considered it. And I'm still genuinely considering it. 
Mm. And, uh, you can, so you're turning green now, yeah? I'm not turning green because I don't think they're actually environmentally friendly. So I'm not buying it for environmental credentials. Uh, this is a Scottish purchase, is it? Well, I can get 45 grand for my four-year-old Hilux with 100,000 mm. Ks on it. Mm. Diesel Hilux. Because you, well, actually, actually, there you go. If anyone in the podcast is looking for two, 2019 uh, Toyota Hilux SR of 100,000 full service history from the dealership, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. canopy, wind protectors, uh, they put in an offer, uh, yeah. metallic gray, not a scratch on it because mm-hmm. uh, it's barely, barely left the tarmac, if at all. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can get about 45 for that. Between 40 and 45. For, get 40 as a direct trade-in. Mm. So anyway, that's the way things are going. I, but I can get a Tesla for 60000 brand new. Mm. And it's completely fringe benefit tax exempt. Every kilometer is considered to be a business write-off. Mm. It's not a bad proposition. And they're pretty cool. Like They've got a lot of technology in them. And they're fast. I saw a review but on them. More, more, I saw, a, I saw fa- a review on That's the cheap one. So it's not yeah. as fast as my motorcycle, but it's up there. Mm, I saw a review on them earlier this way that it was not that complimentary, saying that it was, you know, they're quite, well, they've got some screen that you had to muck yeah, around with. A lot of like, the modern cars, even, even the Hilux yeah. has got too much stuff on the screen. Mm. But I was in, when I was overseas last week, I, used, I was getting a lot of Ubers, and a lot of them were electric cars. Mm. And they were smooth, uh, for the most part. Well, I, you know, a good green person like myself. I, you know, the family car here is a hybrid. We we upgraded to that hybrid um, Toyota Yaris Cross. But They're pretty but, good. But the only thing that does put me off is, and I don't do that many big miles anymore. Mm. But it's those long distances. Like you get Canberra to Sydney, that's fine, and you can, mm. there's plenty of destination chargers. Uh, but it's if you go to Melbourne. Or if you're mm. from Melbourne to Adelaide, like you've got to plan it a bit more. It's a bit like it's a yeah. It's a bit like the old days, isn't it? You got to plan. Where, for, where so you're gonna where you're gonna, gonna water your, your horse? Water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you got to you got to think. Well, actually, like I, I might like if you're doing a six hour journey, yeah. I still think it's appropriate to take a, a reasonable size break anyway. Mm. Stop, have a cigarette, you know, mm-hmm. pie, mm-hmm. you know, coffee, another cigarette, another cigarette. Use the toilet, and that's half an hour anyway. By the time your car's charged, mm. that's assuming no one else is there in front of you. And the, you know, yeah, it depends on that. That's what worries me as well. The more people that get it, then you'll have eight or nine Teslas in front, and you're there, and you get it, and then you got to wait for all of them to go through. Or, well, maybe that maybe they'll end up with a black eye like this one. Yeah, it's a, well, that's why you're doing all your special kung fu jujitsu stuff. I just kung fu. I'm doing freestyle wrestling, a bit of, <laughs> in, a bit of Brazilian the, jiu-jitsu, uh, and what, boxing. What about the Turkish I've been wrestling? As well. And a bit of Turkish wrestling where they get all lathered up in oil and try and I don't give each actually, other a, I don't give get each other a wedgie. Yeah, they do put olive oil on themselves and bloody you know, give you know, each other a wedgie. Because we, Turkish wrestling, they do. The Turkish one, they do. So. Traditional Turkish wrestling, look it up. They use olive oil and rub it all over their body and give each other a wedgie. In, or something. Freestyle wrestling, you do wear a leotard. So there's an there's an image for like you as a well. like a like a mankini type. Yeah, thing. yeah, pretty much. But they're shorts rather than a mankini. 
and it, and it sort of goes down to your navel almost open. <laughs> you should. Um, it's it's, you, pre- it's, you should, you it's should, pretty. It's pretty homoerotic, to be honest. You should. So. You should upload. You should upload a picture of it for the for the followers on Twitter to see how it looks. I'll need to get a couple of socks to put down at first, I reckon. Although I am, I am gonna. It's again, it's a complete tangent off of anything to do with agriculture. I am thinking of entering a beach wrestling competition later on. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Where you we we wrestle on sand? Do you? Does it start with some one person kicking sand in the other person's face, or oh, yeah. flicking up? Here you go, mate. <laughs> Keep your eyes open, pal. Um, markets. Are there anything else to talk about markets? Or is that? I tell you, I mean, no, we're talking about Turkish wrestling and flicking sand in people's face. I think we're done. Do you think, maybe I should maybe I should actually we should start the podcast over again, and I'll do the advertisement for the Toyota at the start. <laughs> That's all right. But genuinely, right. if anyone doesn't wants to get ahead of the waiting list and wants mm-hmm. to buy, oh, it's got vinyl, uh, it's got full carpets, full fingers, mats oh. inside it. Yeah, it's a leather. It's, not, it's a leather or vinyl? No, no I, be leather. I, I bought it when we got the pig farm. I didn't want any leather. I wanted vinyl oh, okay. floor just in case I had to hose yeah. it out. Yeah. Oh, it's brand new tires. Mm-hmm. Brand new tires. Oh, brand new window wipers. Good. Uh, fuck it, sixty grand, and it's yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's what's all the offers start come flooding in? I expect some offers. If if Martin Murray, he's kind of, kind of money. James Stacy, yeah. oh mate, James some... Stacy better buy five. He's already probably got five. five I mean, he's got yeah, Land Cruisers, mind you, not Hiluxes. Yeah, but he could use mine to do the part runs for his Land Cruiser or something <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He need to go and get extra if he's running out of all the spare parts for his six or seven Land Cruisers he's got parked in the garage. Maybe, but the Tesla, I think it's it's not. I think look, maybe a Tesla or actually one of Tesla just seems like the better electric one, mm. and they've got five hundred k range, which is probably like a six hundred k range. But if I'm going six hundred k, I'm probably going to stop twice anyway because you mm. know I've got a weak bladder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, you are getting old. I'm getting old. Yeah. So yeah, I think maybe maybe well. It seems like Sam, the accountant, said it's a decent thing to buy in terms of tax write-off. Mm. So, all you yeah. need, all you need to do is actually earn the money now to be able to pay the tax, tax. to get the write-off. True. Yeah. So once we once we actually earn a bit of money, you'll be able to think about it. True. True. Well, yeah. I'm just gonna say, maybe I'll just sell the Hilux and buy like a shitty old Corolla. Mm. Yeah. Like a 2000, 2002 Corolla. A Datsun 180B or something. Something. They're probably a bit more expensive. More expensive. expensive, (laughs) I didn't really buy a Subaru. I did look. I was going to do like a complete power exchange for Subaru WRX last week. Then I thought I'm too fucking old for that as well. You know, that's midlife crisis. That's midlife crisis material. You're not quite there. You're not quite there yet. I think James Stacey's got one of those actually. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) right up. All right, let's go then. See you when you got nothing on. Ciao.